Welcome to Too Long Didn't Read with TK Spiff. I'm your host, TK Spiff, and this is a podcast where we digest some of the top news in tech and media in the past month and condense them down so you don't have to. I'll be joined today by two very, very special guests. I've known them for the best part of two decades. Um, We've lived together when we first all moved to London, and obviously we stayed in touch ever since, so it couldn't have been too bad. I'm joined today by David Jones and Luke Nola. Guys, how are you doing? Hey, Teeks. Yeah, not too bad, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good, thank you. Like Luke, I see you all the time at Five Aside. So Dave, it's actually like it's been a long time since I've seen you. So hope hope you're doing well. Hope everything's all good. Hope family's all good. So and yeah, thank you very, very much for coming to speak with me today. Oh, it's a pleasure, no mate. Problem. Thank you. Yeah. Absolute pleasure. Obviously, you see me all the time, so yeah. sounds I like you're bored. Yeah. Yeah, I see Luke all the time at Five Aside, and um, I guess by the time this is out, Villarreal-Aylesbury, our Five Aside team, will be crowned champions of the King's Cross Tuesday Men's League. I'm putting it out in the universe now. I'm part of the yeah, so, uh, yeah, WhatsApp yeah. group. Does that mean I get a medal? Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll have words with the with the, with the organisation. Thank you. Thank Great. you. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, so guys, I know who you are, but just for the people listening, could you just give a brief introduction about like who you are, what you do? Dave, do you want to kick off or should I? Yeah, I'll, I'll kick off. So I'm Dave. Uh, I live in London. I have been working in digital marketing for six and a half years, working at the largest direct response agency in Europe now, I think, which is pretty exciting. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, huge. Um, but yeah, that's me. Luke, what about you? Uh, I am Luke. I've been in advertising media similar amount of time today, about six and a half years. I've focused primarily on entertainment clients. That's been, you know, film or video game clients. I've also done a bit of retail, a fair chunk of gambling, a bit of, you know, food and, and beverage, stuff like that. So I've kind of got um, a lot of experience in all different forms of advertising, generally video, generally TV, but across a breadth of clients. Awesome. Um, well, I guess judging by your backgrounds, I'm sure people will be able to guess. Well, the three stories I'm going to give you all have a kind of advertising and marketing element. But yeah, like, like, like always, I'm going to give you a too long didn't read summary of three stories from the past month and you'll be able to decide which ones we want to unpack further how's that sound sounds good sounds like a plan so the first story that caught my attention was about love island's molly may and she broke advertising rules with one of her instagram giveaways last year i've heard it was very 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 popular and a lot of people were upset when they were chosen for the main prize there's also a story about ryanair and their jab and go adverts they've been ordered to be removed from circulation by the advertising watchdog and then the final story is about Cineworld and they're reopening all of their cinemas in the UK in May after signing uh, an exclusivity deal with Warner Brothers to show their films before they're, before they're going to be streamed. So which one do you want to unpack further, gentlemen? Personally, I think Ryanair. What do you think, Luke? Yeah, let's do. Yeah, let's go with Ryanair. I yeah. Jab and go it. So Ryanair has been ordered to remove an advert which basically depicted what has been deemed misleading claims about the coronavirus vaccinations. They were deemed irresponsible by the advertising watchdog, the ASA. The advert itself received about 2,000 complaints. It was shown between December last year and January of this year, and it was actually the third most complained about advert of all time. It basically encouraged consumers to book Easter and summer holidays with the airlines after having received 
their coronavirus vaccinations, suggesting that people could just jab and go. The ads themselves, they show groups of people, like most likely in their 20s and 30s, in like restaurants or like swimming pools, and there was no social distancing. And a lot of the complaints basically felt like the term jab and go implied that we'd all be able to travel unrestricted and unaffected by this coming summer. And I'm sure you guys will be aware that that looks more and more unlikely as the days go by. But the ASA, they ruled that some viewers were likely to infer that by Easter or by summer 2021, it would be possible for anyone to get vaccinated and then go book a holiday. And that vaccination will give you maximum protection, that restrictions around like social distancing and wearing masks, they wouldn't be necessary once you were vaccinated once. So I guess there's a few things to unpack here, but I kind of wanted to start with how brands, so Ryanair in this particular example, but brands in general are having the pandemic solely at the heart of their advertising content. And what I wanted to really understand from both of you who obviously work in the industry is like, what are the main themes that you're noticing during the pandemic in terms of, have you seen like an uptick in ad spend or like a, a fall in ad spend? Like the content of the ads, has there been anything that you found surprising like coming out of like advertising in the pandemic? So during lockdown as a whole, we can see that across all media, there's been an increase in consumption. Along with that, we saw a 30% decrease in the cost of actually reaching users on digital platforms. And that's purely due to like, brands pulling out because of fears over consumer spending. So it's a bit of a, a weird one where there's been a decrease in the actual cost of buying media, but an increase in the consumption of it. So in terms of actual channels, um, what we've seen during the pandemic is an accelerated growth of video streaming platforms. I mean, you think about a year ago with Disney Plus, they were absolutely everywhere. I think it was about, yeah, April last year. They were on buses, they were on your TV screens, they were absolutely everywhere. So to that ilk, I mean, video on demand and YouTube have seen like massive growth. I mean, YouTube in particular for my agency has grown by over a million in the last year, which is huge. But on top of that, I would also say that we found clients with an effective e-commerce site have really benefited because you think about the older generation who would have naturally gone to the shops. They've now switched that buying habit to online. And personally, I actually don't think like the going to the shops market will actually ever hit pre-lockdown levels again. I don't know. What do you think, Luke? Yeah, you're, you're, you're definitely right. I think I think COVID's accelerated. It's accelerated so many things. Like we were already shifting because of the increased kind of take up of 5G and increased the better broadband speeds that everyone has now. We were already shifting towards this online viewing world. But like Dave said, like on, online viewing is up like 11 to 15% since lockdown. COVID has just accelerated that, right? It's accelerated flexible working. It's also probably accelerated the death of the high street, as Dave was alluding to there. But I think just to be really pedantic, not all media is up. Out-of-home media has absolutely crashed because nobody's allowed out of their homes, you know. Pre-lockdown, it's kind of the best reach-driving media that there was. And that now, obviously, we're not allowed out of our homes. That's where kind of TV has really come into its own in the past 12 months. And Dave's absolutely right that broadcast and bod, so on-demand TV, has seen a huge, huge growth. We're looking at like 30 to 50% for like all four and ITV Hub for some platforms. So in terms of spend... I mean, I, I wouldn't know exactly what the market's doing, but the, the really interesting point, I think, is media consumption. And it's just been a massive shift to online, on-demand viewing. Mm. Linear TV is boosted a bit, you know, like traditional live TV is boosted a bit because obviously people are at home, they're watching more daytime TV and things like that. But it really is online that's seen the big benefit of, uh, during COVID, I'd say. So just to pick up on one of those points, and apologies mm. for being the idiot in the room, you said out of house 
Oh, sorry. Out, yeah, out of home advertising. Out so of home be, advertising. What is it? Yeah, bill, billboards, posters. You know, anything anything that happens outside of your home. Okay. So, so you, things you on the tube that. and stuff like that. Yeah, that, that will be out of home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when it comes to the out of home market, you're absolutely right. Obviously, there's been a, a massive decrease in the consumption of that particular media. But again, what you, when you're looking at people like I think it was PlayStation who did a massive takeover. I think it was of London, where of different um, tube stations, it wasn't just the circle anymore. It was the triangle from a PlayStation controller. It was the square. Yeah. And I, I think because that. of that, that's clever decrease yeah because of that decrease in media spend they've been able to enter that market and make huge splashes and it's been really beneficial for people that have been able to take advantage of the decrease in in brands coming to market yeah yeah less clutter exactly i think um the content of the ad is is an interesting point as well because we're we're kind of in this in this pre slash current COVID world. Lots of the messaging out there is um, it's one of like collective responsibility and collective health and take care of each other and be kind. And I think brands are realizing that if they want to secure like long term market share, they need to be less about overtly chasing profit and more about taking an active role in kind of societal issues. So they need to make noise about how much they care about what's going on. But like Uber ran a really cool campaign in Australia, like thank you for not riding with us, basically like thank you for staying at home and not going out and breaking the rules. Um, and then you think about things like Guinness, they were kind of ahead of the curve when they did their Guinness Clear campaign. It's becoming about being socially responsible and showing people that you care instead of just pushing your promotion in their face, I think. I think it was super clever. Again, it was an out-of-home campaign. And this was post, I think, first lockdown and before the second one. I think it was uh, either Sky or Now TV, but they basically had spoilers on out-of-home billboards to make sure that you weren't going out. So I think it was during the Game of Thrones finale and they were just posting spoilers from the book to make sure, well, not from the book, obviously, but from the previous episode to make sure that people weren't going out. It's super clever. (laughs) That's a really good idea. Yeah, I didn't know about that. That's really good. So, I mean, I I saw one and it spoiled the episode for me. So, should have been out. Yeah, should have been inside. So, yeah. from from what you guys are telling me, there's been a kind of increase in creativity, and you just have to almost think outside the box as a brand. And it kind of links to my next question. We're in a world where misinformation is very rife. And I'm thinking of the, what, what the ASA said about the Ryanair advert. And it was that some viewers are likely to infer from that particular advert that like we'd be unrestricted by this time. And it almost builds a trust in that brand. So in the world of misinformation, how do you build trust in a brand through, through marketing? Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting one on how you build uh, trust through advertising. And I think, at least from a digital perspective, a brand's social media is very telling. I mean, part and parcel of being on these platforms is you will get horrible comments from trolls or even people that are just upset. And it's important that those comments are responded to in a calm, helpful manner and not just left to fester. I mean, people will jump on that bandwagon and make things 10 times worse if you do. But I also think it's important for the brand to feel really genuine in their belief. I mean, if you take Black Lives Matter, matter for example we've seen brands face social issues and get a massive backlash so Kendall Jenner and Pepsi is a is a huge example there yeah. where it was just a, a pretty terrible ad but I think it's more important for brands to come out with a message that's genuine to them and it can sometimes take a little bit longer but rather than rush to be seen as the voice of change it's better to come across as genuine and uh, I do think for some brands it comes as second nature for example I'm thinking of Nike with the Colin Kaepernick ad and and 
also again with their for once don't do it ad it, it honestly felt seriously genuine and i think it works really well in promoting them as a trustworthy brand I think trust is an important uh or like an, an interesting term really because it's quite it, it depends on the brand you are like traditionally if you're saying a brand wants to build trust the, the big prestigious reach driving media would be things like tv and out of home so a brand should have big presences on them because you know consumers think if you see a brand has wrapped waterloo imax for example you know that food delivery app get here they've wrapped waterloo imax at the moment and it's huge and it's expensive and you think wow they must really they're reputable or if you see a brand like buy a 30 second ad break in Anton Deck Saturday Night Takeaway or you know I'm a celeb you think yeah that must have cost a lot they must be reputable or they must kind of really know their stuff but now it's kind of changing where so much activity and so much brand interaction is done through social media that brands have to be really, really careful and really clever in that space. I saw a stat that was like throughout lockdown, social media and TV have made up 56% of a user's media day, wow. just, which just shows like how if, if, you, if you're a brand and you aren't active on social media, then, you know, obviously has a much lower entry point than TV. So if you're not active in that space, it's just such an easy win that you're missing out on. But when you talk about trust, I think it depends on the type of brand you are and the type of trust you want because obviously most brands want to be seen as reliable, trustworthy, caring, they care about their consumers. But then, for example, if you're looking at gambling brands like Paddy Power, people complain about their adverts all the time, but I bet that doesn't bother them that much because their whole shtick, their brand kind of positioning is, it's not to be necessarily trustworthy, it's to be like, it's like banter and lads, isn't it, in inverted commas. So it's about building trust, yeah, but it's about building like almost a dialogue and a relationship with your consumers because Paddy Power probably don't care that much if the average consumer thinks they're trustworthy obviously they need to be trustworthy with people's money but they don't people think yeah paddy power really care about issues they just want to be seen as edgy and funny don't they because that attracts people Got to that's i suppose it. that on that point about paddy power though they do have that kind of trust in them around they are promoting ads around uh was it gamble aware so they are promoting don't go beyond your means and don't get a gambling habit so they are promoting some sort of social awareness with what they're yeah. doing yeah de all, yeah definitely all gambling brands are actually um 20 of all gambling ads now have to be uh gamble responsibly to show that they actually they actually do care about their users that's interesting that you brought up paddy power because i said that ryan there were the third most complained about about ads of all time yeah I bet they're up there yeah <laughs> Paddy Power yeah, I, can't, I can't remember if they're one or two but they were definitely they were definitely above, above were they really that sense. so yeah yeah um, sounds about right <laughs> uh, so okay i guess going again going back to the ryanair story and i think luke this is probably one for you just because of your background and tying into ryanair here they were ordered to remove their advert mm. i'm just thinking that must just be so like burdensome from like an, an administrative standpoint so like what are the steps you need to take to actually remove and then replace an advert and how hard is that amendment process yeah well you're right it, it can it can be a nightmare it can be really simple it really depends on what creative what kind of adverts the brand have waiting in the wings so every all tv campaigns have to be booked kind of six to eight weeks in advance of the month of transmission so this campaign was in december was it, it started so they they would have had to book that very early october mid-october and when you book that campaign two months in advance you commit to the tv station saying i'm going to run these dates i'm going to spend this much money and i'm going to use this second link i'm going to use a 20 second ad or i'm going to use a 30 second ad so let's say that jab and go and push 30 seconds when it gets banned if Ryanair have a 30 second ad another one that they can play out it's a simple creative swap and we just we just instruct the stations okay don't use that 30 second ad use this 30 second one instead 
But if they don't have a 30 second ready, if suddenly they say we want to play out a 20 second ad, it means the stations have to manually alter the brake patterns. Because obviously the brake patterns are laid down with you and like a dozen other advertisers. They have to manually alter the brake, every single brake that you're in because you've changed your second length. So the advertiser will get charged. Stations will get like really irritated and it's just a seriously arduous process like you say so it's all about whether or not the brand has the creative length ready just to kind of jump in and take it seamlessly it can be a real pain in the ass wow yeah like i didn't really think about the fact that 10 seconds is a lot in this situation um, it's a huge um, amount like the, the reason we booked two months out is because the tv stations have an automated system that basically does this for them it lays down hundreds of thousands of advert spots and if you mess around with that system after like the two month deadline, it means manual work for them. So they just charge yeah. you for it. Oh, interesting. Um, and Dave, one of the things you mentioned was about, well, you both mentioned is about like social media and how social media is used. Dave, coming from a like digital marketing space, what would your top tips be in producing kind of engaging digital content and digital creatives? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one because obviously it can vary between clients and what you're trying to achieve. But firstly, it, it, it's got to be about understanding the audience. And then what is the creative trying to do off the back of that? Are you trying to drive a reaction? Are you trying to get shares? Are you asking someone to do something? Are you, are you trying to get them to buy a product? And I think when campaigns work best is when we're allowed or uh, as media agencies are allowed to work with creative agencies in total sync because we can then tailor how we reach a particular audience on a particular platform i mean too often tv gets prioritized and you'll find that creatives are, are made tv first and then shoehorned in so you think try and use a tv ad across youtube or social it just it just doesn't work the advertisers that work best on digital think digital first how is this tv ad going to work on a smaller screen and it's also going from a landscape format to a portrait format because you think over the last i don't know two, three years, we've seen such a rise in the portrait format. And that's the that's the big one where it takes up your whole screen on a mobile and, it, and it's really immersive. And my top tip is really think digital first. And how is this going to look on a mobile? Because I mean, over the last, I think it's five years or ever since I've been in media, the next year is always going to be the year of mobile and the exponential growth on people watching content or viewing social media or whatever on, on mobile has just grown exponentially. So it is really just building that creative for a mobile, I'd say. I saw a really interesting uh, study the other day by like a research company called DScout. And it said that um, the average user touches their mobile phone screen like 2,700 times a day. Wow. <laughs> and 75 separate phone sessions a day. Yeah, like the, David's right. Like mobile phone usage is going through the app. Like it's going through the roof. And that's just accelerated during COVID as well. Uh, yeah, might... and just to chime in on that i mean there was a study that a well-known audience profiling tool uh, has released recently and it was all about the the changing landscape of sweden um in terms of their media and i think it was five years ago tv was able to reach 95 percent of the population and over the last five years that's decreased down to 89 percent whereas five years ago mobile was i think 83 percent of the population and now that's up at 97 so it really does just show how important it is to kind of prioritise how that ad is going to look in a portrait format. You know, what? that stat that Luke provided, 
I can totally see that because I guess this time that we spent recording this has probably been the longest I've gone without touching my phone today. So yeah, I can to- I can totally see that stat being totally accurate. Two thousand over two thousand times is crazy. Uh, I get I get like anxious if I have to charge it on the other side of the room. I like I want to go and look at it. It's it's stupid. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I'm the same. Um, and Dave Dave felt kind of guilty about giving television credit but I just wanted to go to you and what would you say are the kind of advantages the benefits and the pros of television advertising as against uh, other forms of advertising the 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 advantages of tv they the same as they were kind of 50 years ago it's still seen as probably the most prestigious media and probably the best way to build trust and reach people quickly it's kind of the ultimate broadcast media right and, and if you're on tv if you have a spot in man united man city on sky sports or you have a spot in the x factor or whatever you, you're seen as a really reputable successful brand i think i think that's fair to say i think on big screen tv as well you it's kind of the highest quality audio vision environment you're going to get obviously mobile phones like are brilliant and and the the content you can watch and the streaming capabilities of mobile phones are fantastic now but you can't you still can't beat the big screen kind of av quality so brands want their ads to be in that environment because the higher quality the more kind of brand recall you're going to get you know the more emotion you can drive with your with your creative but while tv is great at all those things and it always has been brilliant all those things it's not really about and Dave will agree like as media planners it's not really about what TV is good at and what digital is good at anymore it's about how they work together so TV is brilliant but it needs to catch up on the measurement side you know and it's a bit clunky in that you have to book two months in advance which is where digital comes into its own because you can be super reactive and if you tailor your creative property like Dave was saying you can complement your TV activity really nicely that, that's what I would say you know it's, it's good at lots of things but digital certainly has it in other areas and Dave I'm going to come to you uh, Luke's touched on a couple points but yeah same kind of question to you what would you say are the advantages of advertising in a digital space as against uh, other forms of media yeah can i just parrot luke a little bit and say that yeah of course that it's, it's very much how they work together and how they work in tandem i mean tv is such a, a premium format where absolutely it builds trust because um, it's on the big screen anything on the big screen builds trust um and you're you're rarely ever watching tv without your phone in your hand like during an ad break or like, i don't know tk when we used to live together you used to be <laughs> when we used to be watching the football you would be on twitter reading out the scores before it happened on on, oh on tv which oh. was incredibly frustrating <laughs> but, uh, but yeah just just to big up digital i suppose um and luke did touch on it earlier but it is so responsive both in the way you set it up the way customers can immediately engage the way you can see what they do immediately from that ad like do they click through to site and then once they do get through to site you can see exactly what they're doing in real time but also on top of that you, you can change your ad at a moment's notice. I mean, we're talking about coronavirus, lockdown, BLM, all these massive issues or challenges or um, yeah, social issues over the last year. You can react within the hour and it's all about making your, your messaging, your strategy, your targeting relevant for the here and now. And you can really do that with digital. I mean, being slightly biased and obviously I've worked for six and a half years on digital and also working in a data agency, you get so much insight. Not only can you see, I mean, I mean I've already touched on it, exactly what that particular user would do in real time it's, it's just incredible the amount of data that you get and i think the key for doing well in digital media 
media is how to take that mass of data and make meaningful actions that really enhance the client's objective. But yeah, I'm just going to come back to it again. I would say the best advertising strategies include a multimedia approach. So it's not just digital, but you've also got TV and when not in a in a lockdown, also out of home and also press. All of them work really well together. And it's just working out the right media mix, I think, that you need to do for clients. Awesome. Guys, that has been, I've learned a lot. That's been really informative. The main things I'm, take, I'm taking away are that there's space for all types of media. Digital media isn't taking over the television space and there's a lot of prestige in television media still. So yeah, that's been really, really interesting. And guys, um, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to chat to me, to, to, to speak for your experiences. And yeah, it's just, it's just good to see you. So yeah, well, I guess we'll leave it there until next month. Um, yeah, thanks again, guys. Um, it's been great. Thanks for having us. Thank you for yeah, having us.